from St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking. Missouri lawmakers are struggling to find consensus on a critical tax that helps fund the state's Medicaid program. The struggle involves whether to include language restricting public funding for Planned Parenthood and certain types of contraception. Democratic State Representative Tracy McCreary of Olivet says some Republicans are playing a dangerous game with Missouri's finances. And she joins us on the latest episode of Politically Speaking to talk about the way forward on what's known as the federal reimbursement allowance. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. We have to talk about things that matter to people. I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values. After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. We have a real treat, everybody, because my co-host today is St. Louis Public Radio's senior political correspondent. (laughs) Joe Manis. Yeah, erstwhile, occasional. (laughs) It's great to have you back in studio, Joe. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. And another guest we have not had in a while since 2017. Oh, my God. Where does the time go on this show? Hey, I was still working full time. (laughs) Our our guest today, uh, she represents the... 88th State House District. That is Tracy McCreary, a Democrat from Olivet. As we'll talk about later in the show, a newly minted state Senate candidate. Uh, But before we talk about issues are your future political endeavors, can you just remind our listeners what the 88th district entails? Sure. It's it's Olivet West all the way out to Chesterfield past Woods Mill. Generally, the northern boundary is Olive Boulevard and the southern boundary is I-64 or Highway 40, depending on how you like to call that highway. So when we first talked about having you back on the show, uh, we had to basically be like, well, we got to make sure we're scheduling around this special session on the federal reimbursement allowance. Well, it is Monday, 1-18-09, and there is no special session on this extremely important bill that will fund Missouri state government. Joe, do you want to just explain what the actual issue is? Well, okay, there's two parts to it, but the bottom line is um, this procedure that we're talking about, what they're trying to block or blocking is uh, a special funding source that basically funds this, most of the state's portion of the Medicaid program, which otherwise is funded by the federal government. And as long as the stalemate goes on, it threatens the entire program. And, and really the fight's over two different things. Um, state Senator uh, Bob Onder, who's a physician, uh, wants to prevent Planned Parenthood from getting any money under the Medicaid program for its uh, reproductive services that it provides. And then you've got State Senator Paul Wheland, who wants to prevent uh, Medicaid from covering certain uh, 
types of contraception. Those types of contraception that he contends are actually uh, abortifacients. So I want to play a clip now from Senator Wieland where he explains the reason he's pushing so hard on this issue. My thinking now is I just don't want that to be part of the Medicaid program. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there saying that we're doing away with all birth control. That's not true. Um, I'm not outlawing these drugs. I'm just saying that these things should not be paid for by the state. It's kind of the same thing every year I vote against the correction bill. I'm a pro-life guy. Um, I don't vote for the correction bill because we're funding drugs that put people to death. I don't think we should fund drugs on the front end that put people to death either. Now, I imagine, Representative, you have a very different perspective on this issue. Um, what do you make of the special session impasse, and what do you make of the fact that Senators Wheeland and Onder are trying to get this language in the FRA bill? Well, the source of funding that comes from the federal reimbursement allowance is a critical part of how we in the Missouri legislature balance our budget. So by having this intra-party struggle over forms of birth control, you know, I see nothing fiscally responsible about what's happening right now. I am quite concerned that we are playing Russian roulette with the a very, very important source of funding, funding that helps run our Missouri Medicaid program that we call Missouri Health Net. I, I've heard from some House Republicans that they would prefer to have an FRA without either of these amendments. Is that actually true? Or do you think that sort of the uh, senatorial demands are have bled over into the House and this one of these amendments is going to end up into law? Well, the House exhibited that they were the adults in that building. Um, we've been doing that now. The House has been for several years, in my opinion. The House did pass a clean FRA at, towards the end of session this this year. And so I, I believe Republican leadership in the House that they would prefer to be fiscally responsible and pass a clean FRA and, and do the right thing for the state and stop this silly fight that we're having over birth control. This could go on for a long time, and if it does, um, this will affect the state budget bigly. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, the governor is going to have to make some withholds or cuts uh, within a few months if this isn't resolved. I think that people may not understand that um, the Medicaid program in Missouri, which already is restrictive, basically covers people who, uh, women and children who don't have any income at all. Right. And um, if they make over about 3000 a year with one child, they they don't get anything. The Medicaid expansion, which was approved by voters and which is technically another issue, but actually sort of related to this, um, basically would cover uh, people who work but don't get insurance up to a certain level that now are in fast food jobs or other where they can't get insurance. So that kind of affects this too because many of those people are women who would uh, take advantage of uh, birth control services yeah, yeah, just, if they got Medicaid coverage. Just to bounce off that point before I ask my next question, um, Joe is right. I just did a story for Weekend Edition about the Medicaid expansion fight and found out that the maximum amount of money that a, a single mother with one child can make and still qualify for Medicaid is less than $3,000 a year. A year. If they're not disabled or, or whatnot. Right. Now, that's in Missouri, not other states. Right. But, but if Medicaid expansion is ordered by the courts, it would expand to, I think, about, if, in, that, if, if, in that same scenario, about $25,000 a year or so. So I don't see this fight as like a philosophical argument. I mean, if this 
the Wheeland Amendment gets through, you're shutting off certain forms of contraception for potentially tens of thousands of women that don't have it right now. So my question for you is, how do you combat this? Because this could have really serious policy ramifications if it, it passes and is ultimately upheld. Well, this is quite concerning. And the this attack on birth control is something that is not partisan. Unlike a lot of other things in reproductive health, that birth control is nonpartisan. And I believe an attack on birth control is an attack on women's health care. And I think many of, of my constituents and many of your listeners, quite frankly, do not want to see Missouri go down a path where, depending on what kind of insurance you have, you have access to different forms of health care. I think the decision about what is the best form of birth control for a woman is up to each individual woman and her doctor. And if the Wheeland Amendment were to get on, we're basically telling doctors that they have less tools in their toolbox to help their patients. I want to talk about the under amendment, too. And Joe could probably provide a little bit more context about this. Right now, Missouri Medicaid does not reimburse or subsidize abortions. So we're not talking about money that would go to Planned Parenthood to pay for abortion services. But it would go to Planned Parenthood to pay for other Things. And, and Joe, can you kind of explain what Planned Parenthood would provide? Yeah, because their, their clinics, many of them provide um, birth control services, reproductive health screenings, that sort of thing. And that stuff is covered by Medicaid and various legal efforts in here and other states by social conservatives to block Planned Parenthood from getting its share of that money have been unsuccessful. And my understanding is the reason why we don't have a special session now is not because of any hangups over the Wheeland Amendment. It's about whether to pursue the Onder Amendment, which uh, he talked about with me uh, about a week ago. Over and over again, we have passed pro-life protective language as part of the budget. The reason we're having this discussion now in the context of the FRA is that last summer in the case of Planned Parenthood versus Department of Health and Senior Services, the Missouri Supreme Court ruled that we, quote, couldn't uh, make policy in the budget. Um, So that's what put us in in a situation where we couldn't just put the pro-life language in a budget bill, we have to put it permanently in statute. So that's why we are where we are today. What's your response to Senator Onder and his push to prevent any Medicaid reimbursement to Planned Parenthood? Well, Senator Onder is both a lawyer and a doctor, and I really wish he would use some of those uh, skills that he learned in his education, because last year the court clearly said that we we cannot take Planned Parenthood out of uh, being able to provide health care to women who are on Medicaid. And, you know, for those of us that drive around the St. Louis region, there are little Planned Parenthood clinics all around town that people can get to on foot. They don't have to have a car. These are clinics that actually provide health care in communities. They don't provide abortions. And what Dr. Onder, Senator Onder, is trying to do is to just say that Planned Parenthood, who is a very well-respected provider of women's reproductive care, they do breast cancer screenings, they do um, STD testing, he's basically saying that they shouldn't even be allowed to have money for those life-saving, life-changing services that they give to both men and women. I think the added complication here, if I mean, we've already established this is a very complicated situation, is Missouri Right to Life, which is a very influential group among Republican legislators, has come out and saying they will oppose any FRA renewal every step of the way if it doesn't include both of these amendments. How do you all get out of this? Like, 
this seems like a. I mean, it's obviously it's not your responsibility because you're a Demo- you're a Democrat, but I'm sure you do want to get out of this with an FRA, you know, renewed so that the state budget doesn't have like a three or four billion dollar hole in it. I mean, we have to figure out a way to get out of this. You know, I I am a Democrat, but I'm also fiscally responsible, and quite frankly, I'm surprised that the majority party who campaigns every every election year on being fiscally responsible that they're willing to do something like this. This is a gamble on steroids. This is so irresponsible. It will throw Missourians are proud that we ha- are a state that has to have a balanced budget. And by if we don't not get this FRA, this federal reimbursement allowance across the finish line in time, we are going to have a budget crisis, a huge budget crisis. We're we're talking about billions of dollars here, not millions, billions of dollars here that come from the federal government. But but they have to. But we have to supply that federal reimbursement allowance, which basically covers the little state portion. And I think um, people don't always realize how much money Missouri gets from the federal government to fund Medicaid. And in fact, the Medicaid expansion, which also now is hung up in the courts, the federal government would pay virtually all of it. I mean, there'd be very little that would that that would come from state money. But but the philosophical fight, whether one agrees or disagrees, has really conflated these two issues. So you've got the, uh, I think Planned Parenthood, I mean, Missouri Right to Life is trying to take a stand on this because they see this as having an impact in other issues, related issues, um, next year. Yeah, just to put this in perspective. We passed the budget. The governor signed the budget. Our budget for fiscal year 22 in the state of Missouri was $35.1 billion. The state funding from the FRA is about $2.65 billion in state funding, which is about 7.2 percent of our state budget. So it's significant. And you know, the governor has threatened to um, go to the budget, the balanced budget we just passed, and start doing withholds. Quite honestly, I don't know how we can cut that much out of the budget and not have people suffering. Well, I, I have one way. You could take the $2.8 billion from the American Rescue Plan and do that. But I mean... We're not allowed to do that. Well, then you've just uh, taken that off the table. Yeah. And plus, even if you could do that, do you really want to take that money and, and plug a hole that you could use with some other revenue source? Wouldn't you want to use that money for roads or rural broadband or... You know, building a shrine to Jim the Wonder Dog or something like that. I don't mean to be flippant no, no, no. about that, but my my point is, there's a lot of mo- things you could use that money for in in rural and urban areas. Yeah, but the Biden administration has been very clear. I mean, in that law, is that you can't use that money to substitute for other stuff. I mean, that's that's why there's been this fight with some states who want to do tax cuts and stuff and cover it. You, with you, this, you can, and, and they can't. You could, you, I think you could cover budgetary deficits, but I don't think that this would be considered a budgetary deficit. This would be considered a tax cut, in my opinion. And the Biden administration yes. very clearly has said we cannot use that money to um, help fill in the gaps from tax cuts. Okay, so we've already asked, like, how are we going to get out of this? And perhaps by the time the show is posted, which will probably be Tuesday, you know, the governor and the legislative leaders will have come to some sort of agreement and there will be a special session. Do you have any predictions about how this will end, given that that we've already laid out the fact that, you know, the stakes are extraordinarily high from a financial perspective? 
I, I don't know how it will end, and um, I am I'm very concerned about it. But I have great faith in how the legislative body works, and I do think that there are some very calm level heads in both the House and the Senate, and I'm hoping that we can get together and uh, figure out a way to um, to move forward. We'll be right back after this quick break with State Representative Tracy McCreary. And we're back on Politically Speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Joe Manis and State Representative Tracy McCreary. Okay, so I want to talk about a special session that is actually going to happen later in the year, and that is on congressional redistricting. Now, people that listen to this show know that I love this topic. I've tried to restrain myself because I get really in the weeds. But, you know, since we are only on minute 16 of this episode, I think we can go a little bit more in the weeds here. Um, because I think redistricting policy has been something you've been following for a while. Um, I'm going to be really candid and blunt with you. I think the Democrats have no leverage on this. Republicans could basically pass a congressional map that only allows for one Democratic district if they really wanted to. We'll get into it later if they're actually going to do that. How, how do Democrats do anything to you know, influence the direction of this map, given that they're at such a weak point of leverage on this? Well, and it's no secret that Democrats are in the super minority in both the House and the Senate. But I truly believe that Missourians who are represented by Republicans are going to be communicating with their elected officials between now and when we have our special session on redistricting about the importance of making sure the maps are drawn fairly. So this is a this is about it's a not it's it should be a nonpartisan issue when you're out on in town it's a nonpartisan issue but communities want to be able to have choices when they go to vote they don't want the primary to be the only place where they vote for people and so i think that missourians are going to be communicating that they want fairly drawn maps and they they want to make sure that it's not legislators drawing maps to benefit some of their friends who are running for congress Illinois Democrats just passed state legislative and judicial maps that absolutely brutalized Republicans. And their argument was, hey, Illinois Democrats have won all these critical elections for the governor and legislature. This is a Democratic state. It's not a, it would actually be unfair to give Republicans equal weight in crafting a map that is equal. Now, I We'll get to this in a minute. I don't think Missouri Republicans are making that argument because they may not do like a seven to one map. But like they could make a solid philosophical argument that they've won every election that matters in this process and that drawing, quote unquote, fair maps would actually be unfair to Republican voters that have voted for all these Republicans. What would you say to that? Well, what I would say is, you know, they have won a lot of elections, but they've won because and then this goes back to redistricting of the Missouri House and Senate lines a decade ago, is we did not have fairly drawn maps a decade ago. So some of this is a false equivalence, if you will. So I do not believe that the that Missourians want the maps to be rigged up to benefit one party or another. And I'm hoping, and I, I've not seen behavior from my colleagues that that's the direction they're headed. Yeah, I mean, some Democrats have argued for years that while granted the Republicans have won the last few cycles, it's not like they have an 80 or 90 percent percentage support among voters. It's more like 60-40, 55-45, depending on what's going on. So the the argument has been (coughs) that actually there should be, let's say, three of the eight uh, congressional seats should be Democrats. Well, I think 
that the Republican threat of trying to make it, which they've done before, to go after the Kansas City area district, there is some danger in that because while that could happen, that would create those several districts, I would argue, that would then statewide, that would then be not as Republican and more swing districts and Republicans or whoever, but Republicans in particular haven't been too keen on that. I yeah, mean, to put a finer point on this, the reason why there's some Republicans that don't want to, you know, just decimate the fifth district, which is currently held by Emanuel Cleaver, right. is they don't want to make the sixth district, which is held by Sam Graves, a Republican, or the fourth district, which, you know, 10,000 Republicans are now running for. They don't want to put that those districts in jeopardy in a wave Democratic year. Is yeah, because the Graves District in particular could be in jeopardy. Is that what you could, heavily you know, yeah, suburban. Several Republicans have come on the show and basically have told me that. Is that what you're also hearing from your colleagues, that they may essentially have a somewhat status quo map, except, and we'll talk about this in a second, maybe make the second district more Republican? Is that kind of where we're headed at that, this point? That's what I'm hearing. But the the thing that makes me anxious about ultimately what will happen in the fall is that Republicans, both in Missouri and nationwide, feel like they might be able to take Congress back, mm-hmm. the House of Representatives in D.C. And so there's a strong pull to help as much as possible to uh, turn that chamber. But, I mean, whether or not Republicans win the majority is not really dependent on whether Emanuel Cleaver wins or loses or not, right? Exactly. But there's just a lot of pull for being able to win that chamber back. So let's talk about the second district. You're in the first district I'm in the first district, yes. Yes. So I want to make that clear. So this is not a question that affects you politically for now. Um, I think I've heard it's almost fait accompli that the main objective, if they keep the fifth district alone, is going to be to make the second district go from a 50-50-ish district. And Ann Wagner won by more than 50-50, but as far as Biden Trump, it, I think it was exactly 50 50, Joe. Yes. Am I wrong about yes. that? No. I, I think like you're Trump won it by 118 Barely. votes or something. They want to go from that to making it into a 60 40 Republican district, yeah. which, would, which, would, which would not really be that difficult because the first district has to expand. You could put more Democratic parts of the second district into the first. And then put more of St. Charles or Jeffco in the second. Yeah, but I think then it, may, it could endanger Wagner in the second, at least in the primary. Yes. I mean, that's my point. I mean, the first district, which is now represented by Cory Bush, um, the first will have to expand because of uh, uh, population loss. But, yeah, you, you run into this uh, where, A, Bush would be taking more um, suburban uh, Democrats. And uh, but then Ann Wagner would be taking more um, Republicans from farther out, like St. Charles and stuff. And they've been pushing to have one of their own. Yeah. So I think it could make it more difficult for her in a primary. Plus, I'm not sure how safe they can make the second uh, as far as Republican, because I think St. Charles is changing a little bit. Yeah. And to, well, let's play. I'm, I guess we're going a lot of different directions here. But like, you know, Ann Wagner already proved that she can win in a 50-50 district. Yes. Do, do, does she even really need it to be super safe? 
Well, Congresswoman Wagner has proven that she is a very, very tough candidate, um, and and she does a, a good job as a congresswoman. But I think every elected official, you know, our our, our instincts are you, you do hope that you you don't have to work quite as hard. And you know, there tens of millions of dollars were spent to help Representative Wagner uh, win that seat. And I think um, you know that that's a lot of work for all involved. So here's another curveball question. So we did mention that Senator Onder is one of the people that's holding up this special session, and Senator Eigel, who's also from St. Charles, is also with him on the Planned Parenthood part. Both of them have told me they want a St. Charles-centric congressional seat with all, with all of St. Charles in it. Yeah, they've been lobbying that how, for a while. How how uh, energetic do you think the other Republicans in the legislature are going to be to put all of St. Charles in a congressional district when they're forcing the, – when I say they – Ander and Igor are forcing everybody to come back for a special session. Well, maybe that's something that's used for some kind of negotiation as well. I mean, this is what is so frustrating to me as somebody who gets to vote on these congressional maps is this is more about politics and like how we as legislators draw maps to help colleagues either because a lot of our colleagues in the House and Senate right now hope to be in Congress soon. So, you know, are we doing do we really want the legislature doing things for their friends or for federal elected officials. That's not the way we should be doing this. Now, you do not want to run for Congress. I do you not. want to run for the state Senate, and specifically Jill Shoup's 24th district seat. Why did you decide that you wanted to run for the state Senate seat? Well, we've sort of danced around the issue all during this podcast. For the entire time I've been in elected office, the majority party has ignored the real issues facing our state. Instead, we get drawn in all these directions that Missourians don't want them to be going. So, you know, I ran for office in 2011 to be an independent voice for just common sense solutions. And I I have vowed to focus on real issues. And that's what I want to do. I want to work on real issues. And I believe me in the Senate will allow me to speak out for those things that people want us to be working on, like being able to keep college tuition affordable, being able to keep utility rates low, um, you know, making sure that our schools have the funding they need so that we're training kids for jobs of the future and they're ready for those jobs and they can get to the jobs on roads that actually are functional. So, you know, I have so many things I want to work on and I, I just think the majority party is not doing that right now. And this show is an example of that. So I want to read a tweet now from a former inhabitant of the 24th District, John Lamping. It was a a quote tweet of former Senator Jeff Smith talking about how great you are and also how great you are to his parents. Of course, Lamping used to. Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. He says, and by the way, John Lamping is a very conservative Republican. This race, if opposed by someone, not likely won't be close. Well, let me let me tell you why how significant that is. First of all, John Lamping won a very close race in 2010 over Barbara Frazier uh, to represent the 24th district. Correct. Four years later, Jill Shoup and Jay Ashcroft had the most expensive competitive race, I think, of all. I think in the entire state yes, out, out they, of any race. They did. Maybe maybe county executive, possibly. I don't know. 2018 was not close. And I think that after state legislative redistricting, as we kind of talked offline, I think some of the western St. Louis County parts of this district could be put in with Senator Eigel's district, which could make this district like a 65 to 70 percent Democratic district. Now, obviously, you're not taking that for for granted at all. But like that has when I told you when I just read that from John Lamping, that probably gives you a little bit of pause in a good way. 
I would assume, right? Well, to me, it's a, a great honor that uh, former Senator John Lamping thinks that I would be a good fit for the district because, you know, the current Senator Jill Shoup thinks that as well. And part of that is I'm very proud of being able to work with people on both sides of the aisle to get things done. But that doesn't mean I'm a pushover. I will never back down on things that I care about. And I am a fighter. I care about consumers. I care about senior citizens. I care about students. I care about victims of violence. You know, So although I can work really well with other people, I'm also very courageous and I'm willing to stand up and speak out. So as you mentioned, Shoup has endorsed you. Uh, former Secretary of State Jason Kander endorsed you. Former Governor Bob Holden endorsed you, and your your announcement was, you know, celebrated by a whole different love a bunch of people, as I mentioned. But as I just mentioned, if this is like a super democratic district after redistricting, it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if other people want to get into this race too. Are you expecting to have a vigorous democratic primary for this? And if so, if this becomes, it moves away from you know intense general election to. Whoever wins the Democratic primary win, is the next senator. How do you stand out against any hypothetical opponent? Well, I expect to have a, both a vigorous primary and a very healthy general as well. The, that This part of St. Louis County, is it's a very important Senate district. But that being said, I've been a community activist, community volunteer, businesswoman, and now an elected official for, you know, I've devoted my life to this community. And I think that my credentials as a volunteer and as a state legislator show that I'm on the right side of issues, whether you're talking to a Democratic voter or even a Republican voter. Uh, before we let you go, um, do you expect there to be, for your current job as a House member, do you expect there to be any other special sessions this year besides redistricting and FRA? I, I do not. Um, I agree with uh, floor leader Plocker that there are a lot of things being tossed around, but I just don't think that there um, is a lot of energy to get people to come back for some of these other things, things like elections, um, things like uh, eminent domain. Those are issues that I believe we'll just have to wait until session starts in 2022. Which is not as far away as you think. But <laughs> before we get there, we got to get through at least two special sessions. Representative, thank you so much for joining me. And Joe, this was a this was a great surprise, and we're always glad to have you back. Well, thanks for asking me. It was great great to be live in the studio with Jason once again. For all of our stories, stlpr.org, uh, Politically Speaking, is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. How can people follow you on Joe on, on Twitter, Joe? <laughs> Jay Manis, that's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. For all the FYIs you could possibly uh, <laughs> uh, absorb. And uh, Representative, how can people follow you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter at Tracy McCreary. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking.